Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. speaking with members of the new organization, the Rural Ontario Community of Queer Youth. Mabe Kyle is maker of poetry, pottery, and photography, who loves being creative, adventurer who calls many places home across borderlines, builder of communities who enjoys being active, embracing friends, family, and their neurodivergent mind. Keener for desserts served at every meal with the sweetest tooth you may find, yearning for disability justice and liberation for the collective, learning how to express gratitude and be kind, embodying a life without binaries who is very introspective. Blake Weva Quinlan is an agender queer from Muskoka, Ontario. As a 16-year-old high school student, they are quite familiar with many issues facing rural 2S LGBTQIA plus youth. In the free time, a love to cook, paint, and read poetry. Okay, amazing folks, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? Mabe, do you want to go first? I am from uh, Brant County. I live on a farm in between Air Paris and Drumbo, Ontario. And Blake? I am from Muskoka, Ontario. I live uh, just outside of downtown Huntsville. So this is a really important organization that you've started. I mean, it's a movement. It's super exciting for so many of us in rural Canada. You're doing something 
really revolutionary. Can you talk about how you started? The idea of Rocky came together at a research participation project that was started by Cam H. So there was a few of us, uh, and it was all like queer youth who had experiences of trying to access mental health care during the pandemic and what barriers we faced. And one common barrier amongst the queer youth that were there was the barrier of rural access. So as part of this research um, project, we had to come up with an idea of how to combat the issues that we were facing. So the issue, the solution that we had come up with to combat uh, the rural access issue was to create a peer support group where rural queer youth from across the province could be able to support each other. And we would do this virtually so that we could meet with each other um, as there is rural queer youth everywhere across the province, but we might not have easy access to build the community. But online, we are able to do that easier with everyone being able to come together. And um, during the pandemic, that was also like the best way to go for other reasons as well. So that's how the idea of Rocky started. And then I had um, put out a call for volunteers who were able to join us as we branched off from just this idea created at this research project to be our own um, independent grassroots organization. And then, that's when Blake joined us is when I put out the call for volunteers. And Blake? Yeah. And then I um, got connected through Rocky because they had posted on their social media, calling out for volunteers, looking for facilitators, um, just trying to get things up off the ground. And so I reached out to Babe um, and they were still looking for team members. And six-ish months later, here we are. Oh my gosh, it's almost a year now, actually. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just realized we're going on almost a year. So how many strong are you now? How many people do you have in your organization? I think we have about a dozen people in our organization. We have like five core members um, that form the executive. And then we have other members that are like still a part of us on like the Discord and connecting with us that way. That we're like active coming to different sessions that we were running. What is the mission and the goal of your organization? The mission of our organization is to combat the isolation that rural queer youth may be experiencing and to create a sense of belonging and community together. And how do you do that? Do you do that through social media? Do you do that through gatherings? How do you do that? Yeah, we do that uh, through Zoom. We were running a series of Zoom workshops um, on different care and wellness themes. So we had like sexual health, spiritual care, mental health care, uh, harm reduction, trans health care, self-care and community care as a six ser a series of six workshops that we had run in different themes. And then it was a two-hour workshop. So the first hour we would have a guest on the theme. And then the second hour it was a Rocky facilitator who would just run a workshop. Um, maybe we would play like games together online. Uh, we had one that was like telestrations. Um, that was a really great hit uh, or Jackbox games. And I also did like a poetry workshop, which went over really well and a workshop on gratitude. Um, so we just had different themes in the second half of the workshops. 
that were like more interactive and creative and everything. And then together we created a zine um, and also put out a call for submissions throughout the province of people that wanted to add their writing or artwork to it. And we just recently like published the zine and are sending out physical copies for those who are interested in making a donation towards our organization. That's amazing. Can you talk to me about what it felt like before you connected with other folks? Tell me about the isolation of being in a rural community and feeling like you're the only person who has the obstacles that you do. For me, it was like really hard growing up and everything, feeling like really isolated. And I thought that like, if I wanted to be queer, then I had to move to the city. So I went and I did my undergrad in Toronto. And I still felt like this sense of isolation being in Toronto as a rural person. So it was like the opposite. So I just wanted to, yeah, just find other people that were out there that are like me, because I know that they exist all over the province. Yeah, it was definitely like challenging getting to that point. For me, it's uh, a lot of the isolation came from feeling very different than my city peers. Um, the access to healthcare was really different and trying to find like connections where I could share my experiences and get advice from people who weren't just suggesting, oh, go to that one clinic down the street when my friends in the city can go a few blocks and there's a gender clinic that can give them all the access and information they need when people have peer support groups that are bus rides away rather than two hours by car it was it was definitely very isolating and really frustrating to try and feel connected being so spread out and feeling like I had no resources and not knowing where to look for help either was a big thing for me. Feeling like you have to go to Toronto to find a community. What about your experience in high school? Rural high schools are definitely not like big city high schools. What was your experience? Maeve, do you want to start? So when I was like in grade nine, there was a like a gay straight alliance that existed at my high school. But as the students that created it graduated out, um, it just died away so then by the time I had graduated high school it didn't exist anymore when I had started high school I was like too anxious that even attending as posing as an ally people would still like assume that I'm queer and I wasn't ready for that or comfortable with that idea so I never ended up joining it and then by the time I was ready to join it it didn't exist anymore so that was hard I was part of this other program at my high school that was um, a diversity leadership certificate program, and it was just surrounded around social justice themes as a whole. Um, and that was like the main thing for my high school that kept me going, and it helped me feel a lot more comfortable with who I was as the years went on during my high school, just being involved with it and being involved with other students that also cared about social justice. Blake, how about you? So I actually am still in high school. I am. 16, surprise. Woo. I'm the youngest team member in Rocky, actually. <laughs> and it is certainly not really changed much uh, since Mabe went to high school. Luckily, my school has our the person who runs uh, what was formerly our GSA. We now call it Sega. Uh, she's quite passionate. She's a lovely woman, and she has worked really hard to keep it going. 
but the older people in my high school don't feel as connected as it's very much a lot of the hyper grade nines who are like finally finding their community, which I'm so excited for them. It's just a lot for me, but it is still quite a prejudiced community. It's Muskoka, like my high school draws from four hamlets that surround Huntsville. So it's a bit, it's a lot of those um, conservative, small-minded people. I've dealt with a lot of transphobia, especially coming out and like being out in my identity as a high school student. I still deal with a lot of like dead naming, a lot of misgendering, just because people have decided that, you know, because I've decided to be so proud, they have the right to, you know, harass me and stuff. I wish they didn't. I'm lucky that we have made some progress. And I'm so glad that my my dad went to the same high school. And I'm so glad that, like, I'm able to walk through the hallways without getting beat up. But I still, like, there's still work to be done. And, you know, I'd love if my friend didn't get the F slur written on her locker, you know? If there are parents listening, uh, you know, the people, older people that live in rural communities they have to know what you experience because they're in the positions of power mm-hmm. to help change things. So you mm-hmm. starting by connecting with folks across the province and building a community, building support, building safety is in essence educating up or educating along the ages. I guess that's what I meant to say was it is helping Mm -hmm. people understand so they can do better. Telling your story is so courageous, but it's also risky. I don't think people understand Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. it is to be out in a rural community. Like you said, Blake, I mean, having the safety of of not being beat up every day. I'm going to share a small story if that's all right. Big trigger warning for like hate speech, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if you guys okay. saw or paid attention in the news at all. Uh, last year around this time, actually, one of our um, elementary schools, all of our schools had put up pride flags. All the schools across our board had. And a group of teenagers decided that at one of the elementary schools, they tore down the flag and burned it and uh, posted it across social media and bragged about it. So luckily the principal at that school like very quickly uh, called the police as he was like cameras and saw everything. It was during off hours, but like, you know, so we were lucky that like proper action was taken, but unfortunately no charges were laid. I believe the kids just got suspended from school Something kind of similar happened in my small town last year. They had put a Progress Pride flag sidewalk in, and then the very next day it had um, vandalized by tire marks screeching over it. It's so unfortunate that we live in these communities where we can feel progress being made and where we're like working towards such a bright future for like the newer generations and even for our generation. But there's still these people who are so bigoted holding us back and just like fighting this progress so hard. It's not just about a rainbow. To them, it is change in general. And and I, I I'm not a bigot, so I actually don't know. But I think it is 
a lack of education, a lack of knowledge. I think a lot of folks who may be in a conservative with a big C or a little C uh, town or family, they don't know someone who's trans. They don't know a gay person. Mm -hmm. They don't know a lesbian. And so without knowledge, they don't know. And what they don't know frightens them. And that's what homophobia yeah. is. In some ways, it goes beyond that. I feel like like Alok Vaid Menon um, does a beautiful job talking about this kind of stuff. They're yeah. a non-binary trans poet and activist and scholar. And they talk often about how like people who do hate, um, they don't love themselves enough and they don't feel like comfortable within their own like gender and sexual orientation they're just like forced to participate in this culture of hyper masculinity and toxic masculinity people just don't understand the concepts of gender the way that the way that it is and the way that many people live by i also think that young like young conservative kids especially in my community are so influenced by their parents who grew up here in like at least my area like before any of the diversity stuff started happening. Sorry, for those listening, there are air quotes happening right now. I feel like I need to clarify that. So before we sort of started developing a more safe community around here, there's a lot of people who still hold on to those old ideas and who really pass those down to their kids. And you're right, those those kids unfortunately haven't had a chance to learn and haven't had a chance to truly interact with 2SLGBTQ people without sort of fear and shame around it. And I think, yeah, there's a lot, unfortunately, a lot of fear mongering around like turning people gay or were some sort of perverts, again, air quotes. <laughs> yeah, there's that idea that there's some sort of danger and change. And I just wish um, <laughs> that younger, especially the more right-wing conservatives in my area were more open to learning that kind of thing. And sometimes I wish I felt safe enough to sit down and have a conversation with them. What about you, Mae? What do you wish people knew? I wish people could love themselves and be empathetic towards everyone that they meet. Maybe you mentioned Alok. I'm a big fan as well. There, mm -hmm. Is there anyone local, mm -hmm. meaning somebody in your community or maybe even in your family that mm. has inspired you? I think my friends inspire me. And also I have had a couple mentors who are about like a decade older than me who are also um, queer and they've helped me grow a lot. And I'm really grateful for them as well. Blake, how about you? You're 16. Who has influenced you? And I honestly, um, I'm really, I'm inspired by some of the older queer community, queer people in my community who have sort of, who of their own volition have chosen to move away and sort of move past this like fear and shame and just the sort of struggle of being rural. Um, honestly, I am very impressed with Mabe. Actually, Mabe is quite influential for me. That idea of continuing to embrace my rural roots um, that has been really inspiring for me, that I don't have to move away into the big city if I want like, if I want, I can choose to stay here in my small town, even though it frustrates me sometimes. Like, I love Huntsville because I love living by the water. I love that easy access. But I think, personally, like, my biggest sort of supporter is my dad. 
uh, he's always kind of been by my side. Um, big rule in our house is like, you're allowed to cause problems <laughs> as long as it doesn't make more work for other people, which has been like my sort of guiding principle these last few years as I've been like slowly pushing the boundaries at my school, trying to do more active stuff in this community without, you know, getting arrested. Blake, how long have you known? I have struggled with my identity, like, as... So I'm assigned female at birth. Um, So I've struggled with identifying sort of feminine at all since, oh, God, I was, like, 10. Like, I've never been into feminine stuff. Maybe what about you? I feel like I knew I was queer before I even knew queerness existed. And same as, like... Blake, I knew when I was like a small child, but I just didn't have the language for it until I was older than that. And there was like ways I knew and would subtly, discreetly like do queer things on my own to learn, like watch YouTube videos when no one else was at home, um, like create a separate social media account just to follow queer stuff and different things like that. Because I knew, but I was still very closeted until I was in university. I started coming out to other queer and trans folks. And then I probably wasn't like mm, fully out as non-binary until I was uh, like 24. If you could explain to folks even the simplest respect for who you are and for the community what could they do today listen listen to people's stories listen to what they're asking and be open you're allowed to fuck up but if you're corrected then just own up to it apologize move on don't make a scene just learn and just educate yourself like there's plenty of stuff on youtube and the internet if people want to learn they can look stuff up and educate themselves in many different ways, whatever way they learn best, whether it be like on TikTok or whether it be reading like academic texts. The biggest thing I think people can do is educate themselves and be open to learning without sort of relying on queer people to do the educating for them, if that makes sense. Like uh, Rocky in and of itself uh, is a place for queer youth. It's not designed as sort of a space for outsiders to come in and educate themselves it's a space for our youth to have a safe space but there are countless spaces out there for allies who want to learn and like Mabe said youtube and the internet is an amazing resource (laughs) it's something that it's super easy to look up there's so many great trans people out there sharing their experiences so many great queer people educating um like the general population and i think it's something that if you truly want to support the community that it's so it feels so simple to me to like watch a 20 minute youtube video on how to use they them pronouns and why they're important to piggyback on that a little bit maybe what about folks who are parents who suspect perhaps that their children are mm, questioning even questioning their sexuality, Mm -hmm. their identity. What advice would you give them? 
show love and empathy to your children and just be as open as you can to learning from them and what they share with you. I think it's hard because some people, maybe they want to be asked, but then other people, they don't want to bring it up until they're ready to do that themselves. So I think it depends from person to person what the person's needs are. Listen to the person and ask them what their needs are and how you can support them. Because I think even when it comes to like someone being um, misgendered or mispronounced, um, the response that people want can be different from person to person. Like some people, like myself, don't want. Like, I don't really um, care for people to correct it because I don't want any attention to be drawn towards myself. Mm. Whereas mm. for someone else who is misgendered, they might want other people to correct it because they want to be treated like at who they are. I think it's just best to ask a person, in what way can I support you that is the best for you? Blake, what would what would you say? Yeah, I definitely think that like each each parent-child relationship is very different um, and would take very different things. But I think the one like overarching thing is examine your own like biases and ensure that you're coming to your child with open arms, especially with the trans community. We already have a very high suicide rate as is, but mm-hmm. that rate drops like substantially once trans youth are faced with accepting parents. And mm-hmm. I think that that... Uh, being able to come out to someone with even though my mom has been the most accepting person my entire journey coming out to her was still terrifying Mm -hmm. and I think that making yourself known as an ally preemptively is the most safe thing you can do if you truly want to support your child and to educate yourself and do that work to show that you are safe Accept them with open arms, obviously, is like the big thing, like that unconditional love, even though it can be really difficult to have a queer and tra- or trans child. Like it, it comes with a lot of emotions and things like there's a lot happening there. And I know that like letting go of the child you thought you had can be an emotional battle for some parents. It's it's important to realize that this is your child and they will always be your child no matter what Mm -hmm. and it broke my heart the day my biological father told me that i would always be his daughter because i was Mm -hmm. never his daughter um i've always been his child and as much as he tries to fight to convince me i'm his daughter i won't be and just to accept your 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 child wholly as they are and as they're coming to you is is just vital. Just to go off of something Blake was saying, I actually have the statistics of transgender suicides and the effects of different things people can do. Research shows that trans youth with supportive families experience a 46% decrease in suicide attempts. Um, Having at least one accepting adult can reduce the risk of a suicide attempt among LGBTQ youth by 40%. 67 percent of transitioning people thought about suicide pre-transition and only three percent post-medical transition trans youth who are allowed to use their chosen name experience a 65 percent decrease in suicide attempts having even one context in which a chosen name could be used was associated with a 29 percent decrease in suicidal thoughts transgender and non-binary youth who have reported having their pronouns respected by all or most people in their lives attempted suicide at half the rates of those who did not have their pronouns respected 
LGBTQ youth who experienced discrimination based on their sexual orientation or gender identity attempted suicide at more than twice the rate of those who did not in the past year. And finally, um, transgender youth who have fully socially transitioned to their gender and have been supported in doing so do not have elevated depressive symptoms compared to the broader population. Wow. Thank you. I'm an older person and I feel, I feel so much pride, literally, in mm. knowing there's folks like you that are trying to make a difference for young people. And you are. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say that I love being queer because the queer community is so beautiful and so supportive. And I just am so happy to be part of it because of the relationships that I have built throughout my life. I want to say, obviously, uh, Shauna, thank you to you. Um, this is amazing. I am blown away by the support Rocky's been getting uh, since we um, announced the zine and everything. It's It's really amazing to me. <laughs> to see how many people actually like care about rural queer youth. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's huge to me. And to like constantly be reminded that like, I'm not alone. And even just with our team meetings, it's been amazing. Cause we're, mm -hmm. our team is spread out across Ontario too. We, um, Mabe and another team member uh, met for the first time physically like a couple weeks ago. So it's, um, it's amazing to see like what this digital world has brought for us. And I think we're so, I'm so honored to get to be a part of something like this and not only for my peers, but for the, the kids younger than me to like have that hope of like developing a community where they won't feel alone, even though we're so, so isolated all the time. And I'm so grateful for people like Blake um who have helped support me in something that one year ago I thought was just a dream I had um in order to make it an actual reality I can't wait to see what you're gonna do next thank you very much for having us on this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Center, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time. <laughs>